We always do this. I, yeah, I'm sorry. We, I'm sorry we missed all that. You know, okay. talking about getting your pinky to obey your brain, but um, <laughs> was, that could have been taken totally out of context. It's true. We might have to cut that part out. It's true. It's Something. Right. Um, we are here in the dissect podcast room studio with Ben Staley, myself, hi. Mark Twight. <laughs> I was gonna, I, so I wanted to start this off mm-hmm. today. I mean, there's, there's one photographer in the room and a couple of. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when uh, earlier we were talking and you said a couple things and then I said we won't fight? Yeah, exactly. Let's not fight, Mark. Okay. <laughs> you I know how I feel. I, I wasn't going to say who that was, but uh, <laughs> apparently an assumption was made. Um, but, but, all right. So we got three photographers in the room um, uh, and three cameras. And what I wanted to start off talking about, and although, Michael, you haven't seen the book, you could actually flip through it. Yes. Um, but it, it, it's funny because, you know, we're part of the thing about being a photographer is like the tools. And, and, and sometimes we get caught up by those tools. And Ben and I were having this conversation earlier um, about, you know, sort of these different lenses from different manufacturers, you know, different focal length, f-stop how they render, do they work better for color? Do they work better for black and white? You know, this, that, the other thing, and talking about sort of having learned a particular tool, like I just finished sort of a six-week strict 50-millimeter-only focal mm-hmm. length thing. And In your honor, I brought my 50-mil lens. Oh. Technica's 55, but. Okay. Um, I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> I put the 35 back on. But anyway, um, so I, I got this, Book I'd, I'd heard about it for a you know a long time and finally mm. found a copy and the title of the book is Drugstore Camera and it's um, basically a, a, you know photographs that Dennis Hopper shot um, and always with these sort of disposable film cameras you know many of them are older back in the day and some of the mm. pictures you look at them and just like okay I guess it's not the tool or maybe the tool makes it helps mm. it look that way or whatever but it is an absolutely fascinating little peek into um the mind of a dude who always had a camera and i think that's the the critical point is like if i don't have a camera i'm going to the convenience store i'm going to buy instamatic and i'm going to have that and that'll be just fine because he <laughs> knew how to see he knew how to, he, yeah. he knew how to compose the frame I, i'm wondering how that would either be alarming or disarming given the given the circles that he runs in about, you know, before an age where everybody has a camera and there's a guy who's well known and understands privacy and all this other stuff, but everybody's on acid. Everybody's on acid all the time. For sure. But he's probably able to get away with a little bit more and then you add acid on it and then you're able to get away with even more. (laughs) But he he did say that in the beginning um, that that people were, oh, he's the guy with the camera. Oh, okay. Oh, he, and there was some nickname. Um, and then, and then everybody just got used to it because he was always there. He was always around, and he was always with a cam- around with a camera. Hmm. And so, this book is 
you know, these are all photographs, you know, t taken with that particular, you know, disposable tool or, you know, whatever. Um, and some of the others, I mean, he had a beautiful Nikon F back in the day because that was mm. the other book of his that I have is like the photographs from 1961 to 67 or something like that. So I presume there's must be a book from 67 to whenever and maybe prior to that. I, I'm not sure, though. I think I mean, the I mean, what I think right away is, you know, it is about the artist and not the tool. Yeah. I mean, you just, you know, you th it's just like, that's art. And uh, with, with a really simple, simple tool that anybody can buy in a drugstore. Yeah. And he's making art and, you know, he's in these places, but there's, there's something there that, you know, like mm. I, you, you look at it and you go, I don't know how he did that. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. you could, you could take your iPhone and all the apps on your phone and not make <laughs> pictures that cool. Sure. It's, exactly. You know, it's, it's like you, it's pretty awesome and, and inspiring and intimidating and uh, mystifying makes me want to do some acid. I don't know guys. <laughs> it, uh, that's, you know, that's a, that's a possibility. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> makes me, uh, I just realized I, so I can't quite go there. I'm it not. is about the, the the artist, and I'm wondering, like, I mean, just look at that. Look at the picture. Yeah, that, those yeah. two. That's just amazing. <laughs> it, it got me thinking. I was what I was really mm -hmm. thinking when you started talking, Mark, is what Michael was saying earlier. We're listening to all these Oof. genius kids playing guitar, you know. But mm. it, musicians are the same way. It's like you know, I'm a Les Paul guy. Okay, I'm a Strat guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah, a Tele guy. And but you know, those guys. That's just what they use. Or that those are the can those are the guitar companies that give them free guitars sure. or that's the tone they like it's, sure. it's about tone it's about how they play it's about how the neck is but those guys any of those real pro guys the pro musicians yeah. or even Doesn't not matter. the pros just the real hmm. the real artists they can pick up anything anything with a string and just just make your brain yeah. melt or go yeah. you know thurston moore style and yeah get a you know the the pawn shop guitar. Put the strings on back upside down. Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. And then try playing lefty also or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. and just and and then detune or yes. tune to a very specific thing. You know that came kind of from Glenn Branca probably. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I mean just like oh okay well the man's a genius and now he's a mad fucking genius and this is great. You guys should start a band. I think you should. Call it Sonic Youth. So, <laughs> so you can you can tell the difference, and I because I, I did this this test when I went to the guitar store to pick up a nylon string. I was like, okay, I'm gonna play. You know the the two things that I know on every guitar in the room, and they're really cool. There at guitars are they like, hey, chill in this room if you have any questions. Like it's acu acoustically you know suited to like listen, and we'll try to be quiet out here so you can. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I would play. And I didn't look at any price tags and I would go around the room and I would play a guitar and I would hit one and I'm like, well, that sounds really nice. And then I would look at the price tag, at least 2,700, because it was a tailor. And I was like, okay. And then I would play one that, that I liked the look of, but I could tell that I didn't like the sound of, usually an Ibanez or something. It's like, they look awesome. And that's what I want. I want it to look cool, but it doesn't matter if you don't like the sound. And so I ended up with, you know, something different just because the price, I'm not going to, I don't deserve to buy a, a tool like that yet. Um, I'm buying a drugstore guitar, I guess. But 
it was interesting that there is a sound quality, but when you listen to the right technician or artist play it, it does not matter whatsoever. Yes. Because I, I quit paying attention to the equipment. Yes. And did you know, like there's two kinds of artists, right? And you could be photographers or musicians or whatever, painters maybe. You know, you've got the photographers that I've got to have all the high end, like the medium format, mm -hmm. the super pro, like mm -hmm. Hasselblad. You know, Hasselblad type stuff. I got to have all these lights and all these things in this perfect studio and they can make amazing art. And then you got the guys that want the drugstore camera, the camera they bought in the pawn shop with the old fixed lens that, you know, is kind of wonky. Same thing with musicians. You got these guys that want all the perfect, brand new, awesome stuff with all the pedals. Mm -hmm. And then the guys like the Thurston Moores or the Kurt Cobains that have these drugstore, you know, pawn shop yeah. guitars and can and can still make you feel something. And maybe I don't know. I'm that drawn question to that. came up, and maybe yes. maybe that matches today. I was driving, yes. listening. And I was like, the question that popped into my head, because I'm listening to this kid that I just found, and I downloaded his album immediately. And this is the hard thing to find, like to find real music that is guitar based. It's not, you know, overly produced or something. That's a kind of a weird niche, but I'm listening to it. And the question in my head is, how, how does a chord get you to feel an emotion? And the same thing is true of a picture. Like how does something that I had nothing to do with strike a chemical in my body or brain and something changes in me by seeing that or hearing that and i think what you're talking about is the people that understand that emotional quality yes. that they can elicit out of somebody as opposed to the other one is the the technical the, merit the, or the theater of yeah. emotional quality like look now it's special because i have my twenty thousand dollar guitar or i have my Hasselblad or i have you're in the uh taj mahal of artistics as opposed to i'm in a you know, cave painting at Persh Merrill, looking at what the first humans painted, both of them are equally impressive, but one is just the theater and the grandiose style of it. But the emotional quality is the thing that runs all that stuff through and through. Yeah. And, and it's, it's something it's intangible. It's, it's hard to define, you know, it when you see it, mm. but you don't know how to describe what it is or necessarily how you're reacting to it. Mm. Right. Only that you are feeling something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes the feeling is, is maybe joy or wonder or understanding. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's, it's pain or fear. You know, I don't know who said it, you know, but like the, the, the good art should just make you feel something. You mm. should feel something. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you like it or hate it but it's sort of a success if you feel something. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'm, I'm, should we ruin it by talking about fitness? No. <laughs> <laughs> fitness should make you feel something. I, it should. It, it, um, and maybe th there's a quality, not to just fit, but to effort. There's a, there's a quality to effort that's very artistic. I agree. Right? You, can, uh, you can make your, you can make your body a, work of art as in you sculpt it or you could walk long enough and and far enough that there's an you'll feel it <laughs> <laughs> some you, people you can, that's around the block <laughs> yeah it's different for everybody yeah i mean it's, it's, and some people have to walk a little bit longer yeah and you can also you can walk your ass off literally yeah if you walk far enough uh, yeah. and you could like you know you could reduce the the size of the tool 
Yeah. You well, change your vessel from a 300 pounder to a 135 <laughs> pounder and then you'd be able to go places that you couldn't get as a larger uh, <clears throat> tool. Yeah. And maybe that's the, <laughs> uh, that's the exploration with, with like uh, a camera um, and seeking to find a photograph that moves people. Like, well, what are you looking at? You got to get, you got to go to a place that other people can't see or you have to see things that everybody can see differently. And I had this problem when I was at, uh, I kind of mentioned it the other day, when I was at Machu Picchu, cause I, you know, had a couple cameras on me and I was like, I was really hesitant even going up there with a camera because I didn't want to fall into that trap. Like I, like the last thing I wanted to do was take the three quarter angle at YMP2 aiming toward, like the thing that everybody sees at the same exact angle from the same step that the tour guide even tells you, Hey, the best picture is here. And like, <laughs> so good. Cut it out of the and, magazine, dude. It, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm just like, no, the best picture is the one you're not in. So don't shoot a fucking selfie. <laughs> well, so instead, <laughs> instead what I saw that nobody else was seeing was that they, they were all seeing themselves in this place, taking selfies, which I thought, you know, was was a really um, <laughs> it was a good remark on our culture these days. But um, so all my pictures are generally of other people taking pictures of themselves, <laughs> and none of them are good. Like I just I was like, oh well, this is fucking ridiculous. So I started taking those pictures, um, it, but it, it's I wasn't able to do it. Like I, I couldn't. Nothing is worth looking at that I took that day, other than to make fun of or to laugh at or to do whatever. And I was just like. But every once in a while, I'll be walking to a place that everybody goes to, and I can see something that they haven't seen, and take it. And I, I don't know what that is. Like I don't. I, maybe I'm just not good enough to notice how to make it. You seem to go everywhere, and make everything look like I haven't seen it before. Yeah, man. What kind of camera do you use? <laughs> you must have a really good camera. I do. iPhone ten. <laughs> yeah, iPhone ten. I do have the latest iPhone, I think, but I don't even know what kind it is. It's just like. I did get one last year. I try and get one every five years. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, like I try and make them last five years. Yeah. And if they don't last that long, I get really angry. Yeah. But there's as long <laughs> as there's been iPhones, which has been like 10 years, mm. I've had, let me see, one, two. I'm on my fourth iPhone. So okay. I'm clearly, I'm not. You've on not the five-year plan. Yeah. I'm not on the five-year plan. I'm full yeah. of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or bad at math. Whichever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it's mm. funny what you, um, not funny, what I noted in what you just said, the thing that stuck, struck me was um, that you were, uh, that, that one of the things when you're walking around and seeing things that other people didn't see in that same spot. Mm. Go ahead. Something just dawned on me. Okay. I'll, I'll finish it up <clears throat> after. after you. And, I'll, and I was just thinking, well, what the, f why are you? thinking about other people when you're walking around trying to see shit because the, the, the presence of them in your head is affecting how you see, like I'm going out yeah. of my way to take a picture in the same spot that nobody else saw. Mm. Um, or I mean, I'm, I, I'm asking for a friend, but I get where you're going it, with it. it because it when sense. I, when I was conscious, there was a point where I was trying to become a photographer because yeah. at the time I was married to one mm -hmm. and she was very good. And so I kept going around trying to force myself to see, okay, I need to make my stuff different mm. you yeah. know, or I need to be, and, and, 
and there was this this relational quality to it that um that I think stunted you know my growth or or slowed it down or whatever. It's not walking around. I mean, I don't care if nobody ever saw that before, or if I just took the exact same photo that somebody else took necessarily because mm-hmm. I don't I don't notice them. Just I like oh, I you know stuff. I feel it sort of crashing in waves now, independent of my relationship to other people and completely dependent on my relationship to the the world. So you, you nailed a couple of things that I think are perfect. Um, <laughs> that, that, uh, that possibly I didn't see till that. Yeah. I was trying too hard, which I think is what, no matter what the discipline is, uh, if you try too hard, if you're trying, you can't do like, you have to let that go and let yes. all of your practice come through. 100%. Which is, yeah. But I'm, and maybe that's the trap of like, I'm in this place where photos are taken and suddenly I can't see because I'm overwhelmed by the burden of, I have to prove that I know how to take a picture, but there's nothing worth taking a picture of that nobody hasn't seen. On second thought, the thing that dawned on me, I was like, no, I captured it perfectly. I was frustrated there and that's what I saw and my pictures represent that perfectly, how frustrated I was. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And and what's the... I mean, I don't know if you think about it, but what's the behind, you know, behind your hand holding this little machine and behind your eye, what is it that's driving you forward to make that image? What What is actually motivating you to point your camera at that thing and capture that moment or that subject or whatever it is? Mm. Um, and do you think about that? And it's it's is it complicated is it like i want to i want to show my family i want to show my friends mm. i want to show social media that i was here i want that validation that i was in this place mm. i think this is really interesting right now like just exactly what is it and, and again mm. it doesn't really matter but but maybe that motivation is pushing you in a certain direction and, and maybe that's part of the reason why you're either mm. succeeding or failing or having trouble. I think that's a good question. I think it's, it's relevant for sure. And I think I can answer it easier with other things than I can with a camera. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like uh, a camera, beca- it's really hard because I think my initial, my the organic response is like, oh, I want to tell a story. Like that's what I'm always trying to do is tell a story that goes along with what I've seen and the picture helps if it's good. And if it's not good, well, I'll, I'll make it look cool in Photoshop or whatever. And that way I can tell my story that way. But I think it's uh, like in learning to play guitar, it's a purely selfish, like absolutely pure pursuit of, I want to hear. You want to get chicks. (laughs) I want to hear something the way I want to hear it. You want to be able to serenade Mrs. Blevins. Yeah, and she's really easy to impress so far. So, <laughs> but realistically, man, like um, on my own, because playing in front of other people is always weird, just like taking pictures in front of other people is weird. Um, but playing, um, like expressing what I want it to sound like, even though I have very little control over that, like it's like bing, dong, bong, and it's wrong, or it's like it's all over the place, but like the pursuit is so pure that it's like, if I just hear it once, that's satisfaction. Nobody else has to hear it. It's not for anybody else. I don't need to play. No one needs to hear me, nor would I want that because it would take away from it. So 
it becomes really hard, especially I, I see uh, there's like obviously a shift because before the pictures were a part of Mark's journey story, they were just happening in an organic, pure manner. And now, yeah, you're, you're going to have to contend with, oh, I produced pictures. So now I'm expected to produce pictures, which means that changes what the pictures look like. Now it's almost like it's a performance. I'm doing it for somebody else, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it takes the purity out of it. It becomes a burden to live up to what you already did. I think so, maybe. Yeah. That's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> We're both looking at Mark like, this is your turn, buddy. Yeah. yeah. I And the fun, because obviously when, I mean, when we finish a job or a project or accomplish a goal or whatever, the hardest thing is what next? Mm -hmm. Like A, to figure out what does it look like? What do I want to do? What will, what is it that um, I can pursue, explore whatever verb, um, that will contribute to my growth, that will take me in a direction that I may want to subconsciously, consciously, I don't know, mm -hmm. want to go. And, you know, I've just been... Every time I open Refuge, I'm like, motherfucker, this is, I I'm going to, it will be easier to fail to live up to this than to, you know, overleap it, to go past it, to go, and, and maybe it's a simple lateral progression instead, you know, if we, um, I, it, it's a, it, it's, it's feeling like a high watermark right now. Well, and, and it doesn't have to be, you know. Yes, it's a high water mark, but it's like, you know, if you have six kids and, you know, one of them's clearly smarter than the other one, one of them's clearly handsomer than the other one, one of them's a better athlete than the other one, but you love them all the same. They're just different. Mm -hmm. So whatever you do next will be, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be Refuge 2, the, the ex, you know, the sequel. It'll yeah. just be next something different. 30 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It'll just be yeah. something different and it'll stand alone yeah. on its own merit, you know? I, I'm, and I, I think that's the healthy way to look at it. And I'm, can, I am, you know, uh, in agreement with you mm -hmm. on that. I'm convinced of that right now. Uh, but it didn't, it took me a little bit to get to that point that, okay, the, the next thing is different because I'm different. Yes. Having made that book made me different. Yes. I got that out of me in a, in a, in a way. Um, and I don't know what that thing looks like. And, and, you know, hence, you know, I've bought a few photography books in the last little bit um, and explored some, because the mechanism is the camera and I'm like got writer's block, like you can't fucking believe right now. So I'm just focusing on the camera because I sit down and try and write and I'm like, yeah, I was up until, well, I saw the sun come up and I wrote three paragraphs. And that's and, less than your iPhone buying. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, just like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny. Cause you know, Michael did ask the good question the other day. It was like, well, were they good paragraphs? <laughs> that's, that's the correct question. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because it does, if they're good, it doesn't matter what it took. Yes. yes. True. <laughs> yeah. And if they're right. bad, we're in trouble. So oh, it's going to be, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think, I mean, to expand on what you're saying, um, what's next, right? Because I was, I was kind of wondering that out of you because I was wondering, I was wondering what it was going to be like for you when you were done and when you were basically just had to ship all these books out and what that was going <laughs> to feel like. Because I know I've only, I've done a couple big projects in my life, nothing like a book, but when it's done, 
and maybe it's the same when you're you know when you mm-hmm. when you achieve a big objective maybe when you've climbed a new route or something or you've done something big like mm-hmm. that you feel empty in a way like you've, if you've given everything to something and you've focused on one goal for a long time and, and that's what sustains you and that's what's fueled you and pushed you on, it's weird when it's over and you wake up and you don't have to, you don't have this boulder hanging over your head, you know, of like, I've got to get this done. I've, I've, I've hung it out there and I've told everybody this is what I was going to do mm-hmm. and I've talked about it and, and what next? You know, and, and, and I think if it's, if it's that big of a, if it's that big of a thing that you were trying to pull off, you didn't have anything next because you didn't have room for anything next. You were only trying to get that done. And, yeah. and no one ever warns you about the void, emptiness, depression, yes. whatever, anger that comes from actually doing what you set out to do. It's, like, it's, it's a fairly negative spot that you arrive to. And yeah. everybody imagines it's celebratory. Well, I mean, I don't know. We're all dudes and I'm speaking out of tune and I know I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but it's it's almost like a postpartum type thing, you know, of mm-hmm. like you've gone through this and then people don't understand that, but it's really common, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's real. It's real. Oi. Uh, yeah, with this, I, all I can think of is, you know, because there's the ego part and it's mm-hmm. like, I can do better and I want to do better <laughs> and I want to do that faster, but it will not. But, but this is this thing like, yeah, there's, there's technical practice that made it possible to execute, but it grew out of emotion and that's not the thing you're going to just manufacture. Right. And, and, to, like, and to quote somebody who was wise and giving advice to somebody who accomplished something really great recently, I think he said, uh, you have to wait for the desire to come back. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wise. I heard that from. I might have heard that in this room. <laughs> and and that it can't be forced to, to come back. And which has been a. I mean, it's been kind of a funny thing. The last little, you know, after made the book and then launched it and then launched it again and then shipped them and all of this and 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 we both know that we need to continue making. Oh, yeah. things yeah. and uh, um and that the, and that we have things to make that we can't and then but damn there's been a lot of pacing over there in the waiting room well because there's <laughs> this there's the there okay i i i know the thing that needs to get created and i've dedicated myself to it and then you start working on it and then once that work starts based off the initial desire to want to do it then it becomes the the grindstone where i have to you know go through the actual act of hating my actual thing that I'm doing so you can refine it and make it better. And I think if you don't go through that process from the initial excitement into the regression, into overcoming that regression, into thinking that it's okay, and then back and forth and back and forth until you finally just let it go and accomplish it. If you don't do that, if I just step into the next thing, I'm not going to do something that I can actually work the problems out through because I'm not proud of the initial production. So there, or the, the initial, yeah, the initial mo- inspiration, motivation part. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, that needs to, like the initial thing has to be really good. Well, and, and the key is the motivation, right? Or the inspiration. Yeah. Or you I have mean, to believe in it. Yeah, and not to be airy-fairy. I mean, I think, I don't, I don't know. 
I think big project, I don't know how it was for you, but something like a refuge or you want to do a big project, you want to make a film or you want to do a, do a, write a book or whatever. Or if you're the project or you're the project, exactly. Those things, it's not so much you choose them as they choose you, or it's just something Mm -hmm. that lines up and you didn't see coming and you're not laying in bed at night and you know what? you know what? I think I'm just going to go paint a mural on the side of this wall or I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. If it's, if it's a big thing, there's some part of that choosing that is not coming from you. And sometimes you just have to go, you've just got to let it all go. You've got to move on with your life and, and, and just keep doing things, keep making yourself better and let those things come to you. And they will. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that is, this was a weird paradox of being an artist of, you know, you need to, you need to keep creating. You're driven to make things and driven to express mm-hmm. and driven to use the tools you have or use the talents and skills that you've honed and built. Um, it's, and it's, it's a constant push and pull uh, of perhaps- like, I need to put things out, but I don't want to push it too hard or, you know, if, it, it has to be something real. You don't want to just fake it and just put out bullshit because mm-hmm. you need to be putting something out. Yeah. So it's about like trying to find, but there's, I think there's also this, there's the, there's the, the day to day aspect of life, Mm. which, you know, can be lived as an artist, you know, you know, apart from a big project. Perfect. And, and I think that's what we, you know, part of the recovery from refuge, let's say is getting back to, you know, um, all right, that was a big project. And those come along once every for know, thirty years, thirty years, or whatever. Yeah, you know, or every ten, five ten years. iPhones. Every, yeah. <laughs> well, I, in a lot of ways, though. Yeah. Now, now you know what's possible, right? Yeah. So it's honestly, it's thirty years worth of photographs and stuff, and thirty years worth of words and effort. But, but you could, you could do something like that again. Not the same thing, but you could do it much quicker. Yeah. You, you have the tools now. I mean, that's how, that's how I feel. Cause I, I finished a documentary last summer that took me three years cool. and, and I, I was commissioned to make this film and uh, you know, I'd never done a feature length documentary before I made a lot of television and some short documentaries. And, and it was, I was like, uh, yeah, I'll do that. But, yeah. but you know, it was, it was pushing a rock up a hill at the end. And it was like a mm-hmm. lot of technical stuff. I didn't know how to do. I just figured I'd figure it out when I got there, mm. you know, sound mixes and just all kinds of stuff of like delivering a fully formed film that I've yeah. never had to do before. So, cause in the past when you've worked, you would hand off the elements that you were responsible for and somebody else would generally assemble it or correct. And you okay. know, I mean, there's, you know, you've got your, you've got your field work and you've got your post work yeah. typically in the type of stuff I do, which is, you know, a lot of Nat Geo and discovery channel type, stuff is mainly what I'm doing. So I've worked, you know, 10, 20% in post Mm -hmm. generally. Um, I like it because I get to go sleep in my own bed, but I don't really like going to work in a fucking office building somewhere. Yeah. I'd rather just be out. Cause like this, this last job you were, I mean, out, I mean, deep wilderness. Yeah. Like the largest, you said, you know, uh, square mileage was uh, a wilderness area in in the uh i was in the okay now i didn't know this three months ago but yeah yeah. i was in i was in the frank church wilderness of idaho which is sort of central eastern 
Idaho, kind of at the edge of the Sawtooth Mountains, if I'm not fucking up my geography too much. Okay. Um, it's the largest wilderness area in the continental United States. So you probably got to go to, it means you go to Alaska and find more Bam wilderness. Or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But in, in the continental lower 48 states, it's the largest. And it's by wilderness area means it's totally protected. Yeah. So you cannot use mechanized machinery inside of it. You can't have a car. You can't have any kind of vehicle. Uh, you can't use a chainsaw. You can't, uh, you know, nice. you can't do commercial photography or filmmaking inside of it. Although we were operating inside of it, we were, there's little pockets that are privately leased mm -hmm. inside of there. And at the edge okay. of it is where we were operating. So, but we're traveling around it and in it all the time. And you're, you're on horseback because, um, no motor vehicles. We are traveling on horseback because you don't want to, like it's, it's basically the steepest, roughest country I've kind of seen probably since Alaska or Peru. Peru's pretty rugged. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And we're, you know, we would do 23 miles in a day and, you know, and you've got a whole lot of equipment and stuff. And the only way to haul it is on the back of a horse. So yeah. 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 It's kind of Western. <laughs> Fits right in with, you know childhood though because what you were telling me you know last night about uh you know just going out for the summer well when yeah. you were in alaska and like living in teepees and we uh <laughs> yeah i mean i'm i'm uh it's funny which is like, which is let me just interject there, which is not a background that every cameraman who's going to go to work for discovery channel has so my sense is that in the rolodex or people who can look after themselves in the real wilderness there's your name and maybe you know a couple others, but it's just not a. There's a few of those guys, but it's a small group. Yeah. Um. I mean, look here's here's the here's what I here's my standard joke is you know, I moved to California from Alaska in 1999 because I wanted to make movies, and now I'm going back to Alaska and other places all the time to make TV. So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fucked up, but yes, basically I you know. I was I was staunchly trying to make movies and trying to do this stuff and avoiding that kind of work. But then at some point, I'm like, fine, I'll do that. And I, I actually really dig it. And, you know, it's it's like uh, I'm still trying to make movies and that's still the ultimate goal. But it's it's not bad for a day job. Yeah. And seems, uh, it's pretty, pretty I mean, good, it's, it's hard and it's a job sometimes, which means there's a lot of parts about it that suck. But... It's pretty cool too. I mean, the the last job I had was one of the coolest ever. Mm. But I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I just we just wrapped up. I think uh, four or five days ago, and I went up to Montana to see some old dear friends that live up there. And I just hadn't been in that part of the country in a long time. So I thought, you know, I'm I'm only a couple hundred miles away. I should take yeah. this opportunity. And they were there. Are a couple folks that are my parents age. So they were around when I was a kid and sort of witnessed the way I grew up and were there on some of these adventures that we had as it, you know, I, I grew up pretty remote. We had a lot of horses, we had sled dogs. And in the summer, um, I had a stepfather and he did construction stuff. So he would, you know, he could take time off and we would load up a wagon and like a half a dozen horses and just go into the mountains for two or three months. And stay like a hundred miles back, and just just pack back with a wagon and a bunch of horses. I would ride this horse Durward that hauled the teepee poles because we would sleep in a teepee. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's kind of we were doing that kind of stuff up into my teenage years, till we moved closer to town. 
And um, now you just add some cameras and batteries and solar panels and so good to go. I mean, to be fair, I haven't done that in, you know, a few decades, Okay, but it was, it was so comfortable and it was so much like putting on a glove and so instantly familiar and, and kind of nice. awesome. You know, the hardest part was actually doing my job then because it, it is hard hauling around a professional level camera and you know everything you need and then when you're back in the wilderness area for four or five days and i we made the conscious decision to not bring a generator so i have to pack enough batteries and enough equipment that i can go without power and and still film for you still do your job yeah a lot of hours every day yeah yeah that's that's pretty good i, I, I mean some people might say dream job and other people just be like, wow, that sounds really, really difficult. <laughs> it's <laughs> not really, so dreamy. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, I learned a ton because I, you know, I get those jobs like Peru or Alaska or a fan of the Amazon. This is maybe one of the hardest environments I had to operate in. Peru was pretty hard. I did a thing there a couple years ago, and it was just because it was super physical. Mm -hmm. We had super heavy cameras, and we're at high altitude. Yeah. Um, so that was hard. Um, but I trained for it for a couple of months and did okay. Um, this job was, I think, equally physically grueling, although we were only at about operating between five and 6,000 feet, so it mm -hmm. wasn't super high altitude. Um, but the terrain was really rugged. Um, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like a dream job. It's really fucking hard. Mm. <laughs> and it, and I, I'm I'm still recovering honestly. I, I, I'm going to say most dream jobs are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but but a dream job like if a dream job was easy, it wouldn't be a dream job because there's nothing involved into it. Like you you need that level of well, you need something to push you past what you're comfortable with. And sometimes it's the terrain, the environment because you know you have the skill, you know how to do your job. Now it's mixing it with something that you're have to prepare for kind of separately. And maybe that, that maybe that's the, the answer to creating art is not just only developing more of the skill, which will lead to better art, but preparing in a way um, or putting yourself in a position where you can create art, not voluntarily or past the, the comfort zone is my thought. I mean, I guess, that's a hundred percent where my headspace has been mm -hmm. since I left of just like, okay, that was cool. That was one of the hardest things I've done. Um, but I want to do more. <laughs> and, so, and I re I realized, you know, well, we had, we did one long trip that was four days in. So it was 23 miles in. Then we went another 15 miles in there and then we came 23 miles out. But going in, we have to, you know, you only have so much daylight. And it's super rugged terrain, and you can only go at the speed of a horse walking. So you can go basically to 2.5, 2.7 is what they were saying, miles an hour. It's pretty slow. Mm -hmm. um, now, I need to, like, half of this half of this trip is in the wilderness area, so I can't film it. But the first half, which is like nine miles, I have to film all that. And some of it's pretty rugged. Um, I realized instantly that I can't film on the back of a horse, so I have to go on foot. So I did the first nine miles on foot and then I'm wearing hiking boots and Carhartts because frankly, they're just tougher than like nylon, cool mm. nylon outdoorsy yeah. pants that really don't fucking protect you. Yeah. Sorry, North face. Um, <laughs> I realized I was going to have to go on foot to stay in, 
and and a lot of times let me let me go even deeper the trail it's on steep ground and the trail's really really narrow so once you get in that narrow steep ground we're talking 12 to 18 inches wide if there's a string of you know 10 to 12 horses you can't pass them so if you're behind the horses you're not going to film much but some horse ass it's a lot but yeah so you got to stay in front yeah and the only way to stay to, to really get a lot of shots is to be jogging ahead catch them when they're coming towards you jogging yeah. ahead going up high coming down all that stuff I basically ran the first nine miles in hiking boots, in Carhartts. With a big-ass camera. With a big-ass camera. (laughs) So the two guys that were there that were in charge of the horses, and they were like like halfway, and they started going, are you okay, man? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, wait. Fitness. Fit, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm I'm no Michael Blevins. I'm no Michael Blevins, but I at the end of it, well, he doesn't own a pair of Carhartts, so I was uh, <laughs> I was really really thrashed at the end of it. I was really glad when we got to the wilderness and I got to ride the horse for the next like ten miles. Nice. I'll be like, it doesn't matter. Like this is one of those um, things where people equate the ability to you know breathe hard, work, do a bunch of work capacity in an artificial environment with being able to do it outside. It is not the same thing. It's I don't not, care. I don't no. care what anybody says. No, nope. I would get my ass kicked by that situation. Even if I was considerably fit inside of a gym. Now it might help conditioning wise or somehow to improve it. But I, I was really glad to see one of the guys that came to one of our symposiums. He's down 90 pounds in nine months. And he just posted today I think based off of, I hope our advice, because I th- this was the message that we were trying to get through, is that this is not the place where anything real happens. And so he had made a, uh, a specific, uh, a dedicated interval during the summer to not train indoors, to do everything outdoors and make it meaningful. It was like, that's awesome. Fuck yeah. Like that, th- holy shit. And this is when I hear your story, I do the same thing. I'm like, people right now are like, how could I, would I get on a stair mill with like a 40 pound pack? And like, no, go out there and do it and deal with like tripping over branches and having scrub oak brush your face or whatever the terrain looks like. You can't, you can't compare the two. But it's also the, the, like all of the, the physical part has to, has to be automatic in a way because, because the, the thing primary in your mind is getting the shots to Mm -hmm. tell the story so that when you know the network gets the stuff that they have all of the elements that they need to put it together and so not only are you having to be you know faster than the horses but then also always scanning the terrain like if i get there then i can look back and it will look like this and so there's a there's a lot of cognitive load to just to imagine first the shot that you want that you could potentially shoot and then putting yourself in the camera in that position also at the right time. And so when you think about fitness and just go, okay, well, that's the part that I can, can kind of control. Mm-hmm. And so that's a given. We don't even need to talk about that because that's there. Now I have, and because I can't be spending any, any mental horsepower on that because all of that has to be dedicated to doing this work. Mm-hmm. And I would think that by the time you got to the wilderness, you know, the edge of the wilderness and, and uh, where you had to put the camera away and get on the horse, um, that yeah, you were wasted. I mean, you but were. also, but but mentally, hmm. perhaps more than the physical 
part. What? Why are we talking about fitness? I don't know. <laughs> you guys just For seem to go sake. there. Shit. Well, no. Well, I, I, the only point I wanted to make is like it's it's one of the things that I think is paramount when looking at some of Mark's stuff is go like he had a high enough ability skill set wise in that environment that it's extraordinarily harsh to pull out of a camera and capture and composite something that could be printed later to a book that made it into this art piece and the so efforts too much on top of the effort required to just yeah, be there and in the like when so when we look at this like okay how to create art well it's highly physical at least the art that we create and i, I would say that i don't know when i watch some of the best guitar players play that i'm inspired by now they're extremely physical yes uh, like i just don't know how they do it and when i roll with some of the best jujitsu guys even if they're technically in a gym space like out of shape i would consider them fuck they are physically unbelievable like how they move what they're aware of they have the ability to be upside down to the side project what's going to happen it's the same thing that you're talking about and and maybe that's why maybe that that's why art is the answer once you are capable enough because now i can actually create something but before i'm just worried about like I don't know, not passing out. Like the the entire organism was occupied with the yeah. survival or the physical yeah. aspect of it. And then once that becomes a part of the foundation as, a, as opposed to part of uh, being the task, mm. then you have the extra bandwidth to uh, see things uh, and, and uh, project into the future. On some of our bike rides, it's like, yeah, for, I don't know, uh, um, the first couple months of doing it, it was just like, all I see is the fucking stem. Like I'm just staring at the pavement right in front of me because I can't even look up because I'm hurting so bad. And I'm just dealing with this, like, I don't know the improbability that I'm going to make it home. And then there's something happens where your gaze shifts, right? And now I can see the horizon and now I can see around me and now I can notice the environment that I'm in. And I'm actually in a spectacular environment. And then my brain starts working differently. It's like, how do I show this to other people? So I start thinking of ways to take pictures and like, oh, it'd look cool if like a writer was writing here and I took the, like you start being creative because I'm not worried about anything else. Now my brain is able to actually project and create stuff. Uh, maybe most people, maybe this is why it's so depressing. is like most people are so stuck staring at the stem of their life that they can't look up to create anything that makes living worthwhile. And yes. that's why these harsh environments to you are so fulfilling. Everybody hears that and they go, oh, bugs and outdoors and climbing and horses and allergies and whatever and carrying a 40-pound camera. It, well, yeah, because they're worried about the physical constraints. You're worried about the artistic constraints. What else can I do? Like, how far can I go? Mm-hmm. That's a, I think that's, that's the only thing that I think fitness is worth talking about. It's like, what can it get you to do? Not how cool is it or you know, how cool you look, but what else can it, um, what else can it alleviate in your life to make other things possible? Yes. I mean, I think you guys both, I mean, to go way back, that was a long, from from both of you, the way Mark articulated the process and the way you you guys understand this stuff, which is cool. I think, uh, you can just say I concur. I I do concur. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to throw in a couple things. I mean, it was, uh, I was beat at the end of the say nine miles. Mm. Um, I'm not in. You should have trained harder, man. Well, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so let's get to that. I'm not an extraordinary. I'm in pretty mediocre shape right now, especially because I've been working almost solid for eight months 
and not really able to do a lot of cardiovascular exercise, mm -hmm. um, hardly at all. So luckily, you know, I mean, I think I just sort of know what it feels like to suck and to be in pain. And like, you can, <laughs> it's just like, okay, like you at some point, and this goes way back to just climbing and doing stuff outside and just, just like mm -hmm. you, you were sort of aware of the limits of your body and you know, when, when you've kind of gone too far. And so I, I knew that I wasn't going too far and that it hurt and it sucked, but like mm -hmm. it was more important to just do the job. Yeah. Um, the thing that started breaking down was actually my feet because yeah, I just yeah. I just didn't expect to be running so much and I had hiking boots on and so my feet I was like I think I'm blisters. gonna get blisters, yeah. um, and I did get some cramping later. I fell off the horse actually halfway through the wilderness when I tried to get off and I my leg <gasps> cramped and I fell off onto the rocks because I was like fuck. But in listen it, to it, our hydration episode. Well, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah. It all comes back to. I'm fitness. sure I could learn something there. It, it all Wait. comes back to fitness. Actually, I, I did... was going to say it all comes back to drinking, <laughs> water. I mean, water, water, I, electrolyte solutions, um, magic the, stuff. I, when I, there's there's some stuff in there. That, this is an interesting that like the ability to suck it up because the job is more important, and that says something to. Um, I think having fulfilling or meaningful work to do. Which is like, well, kind of fitness doesn't matter, dude, because I'll put up with whatever. And I had this conversation today with some fighters and fight coaches that were, you know, um, noticing that the old system of training wrestlers is kind of outdated. Mm -hmm. Like the old gable system of just grindstone, like fit uh, a, a square peg through a round hole kind of deal. Like you just make everybody fit into the system. And God, why are we losing to all these countries, like especially Russia, who don't seem to work so hard? Like because it is not about necessarily work. There is a psychological advantage from just showing up every day and being beaten to a pulp. So therefore, everything feels miserable. So you can kind of psychologically deal with anything. And in the the opposite of that would be like, man, if I if I am so good and I, you know, pay attention to recovery and all these other things that I'm athletically better than everybody I face, then when I meet my match, I won't be psychologically able to meet them. Correct. So there is something with this, like, well, the terrain is a match for you at your current fitness level, but you're used to it because you do this day in and day out. So there, there's something to be said about being in possibly better physical shape to be able to see better, but also an argument made where actually... I'm able to see because of the pain that I put myself in. It's just about, yeah. I mean, it's about tolerance for pain mm. and without trying to sound like anything special, not, but, mm. but it's just about being comfortable with discomfort mm -hmm. and most people aren't. And that goes for like, you know, Oh, it's a little chilly outside yeah. and I just need my hoodie or, or, or being hungry. Most yeah. people, they start breaking down if they're hungry for sure or thirsty. Yeah. It's just like, well, you know, some things you like, you're not going to fucking die. Well, they, they you know that, but, but it's a cultural problem right now for sure. But you, you, you can, you know that you're not going to die because you've been in this situation before a couple of times and you didn't. Yes. Right. Like, oh yeah, I'm hungry. I'm cold. Well, I'm hungry. Okay. I got like 12 pounds of snacks on board. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I'm good for a little bit. I'm thirsty. Um, yeah, that might be something you want to take care of, you know, sooner rather than later, if possible. But 
so to draw this back, to draw the curtain back around, a, a, maybe a, a bigger conversation surrounding this thing uh, around the discomfort and, yes. and um, how we're not taught culturally that it is okay to hurt. It is okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to go hungry as long as you eventually eat and you eventually sleep and you eventually are able to take care of yourself. Um, most, if not all, any anybody w- with authority of any sort is absolutely not able to tell people that it's okay to be uncomfortable because of some kind of privilege that they might have. This is such an extraordinary problem. We'll try to explain why I think they, they link up. But if you tell somebody, hey, it's okay not to eat over a public domain such as Twitter, such as Jack, uh, what's his name, who, who owns Twitter, whatever. He, he did an interview and his diet came out that he only eats once a day. And people are like, oh, you're supposed to, this is not good to teach little kids. It's going to cause well, eating disorders. Well, I that one thing. meal that you eat a day is breakfast because that's the most important <laughs> meal of the day. That's what I read somewhere Only, right, on, right under a food pyramid or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, like, I mean, the articles that came out about it were just fucking ridiculous about, and obviously, and I had to do this because it was like, what kind of journalist gives somebody a hard time that doesn't feel like eating multiple times a day? probably a fat one <laughs> sure enough <laughs> there's a profile picture and i if i had to guess with my you know expertise in this area i would say 35 to 40 pounds overweight comfortably i mean because she's squishy but the 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 instance of like oh don't tell people to be uncomfortable this is where our culture is going like don't ever, you deserve a treat everything is you deserve because you've worked so hard but no one's really fucking working at all sitting in a cubicle for eight hours a day is not work you get paid for it but that's not the kind of work that develops anything that's meaningful or fulfilling if if it's not in a uh, a direction that you know, you intend to, there's obviously office work that goes on. That's important. I mean, we sit in an office most of the day, but the kind of thing that's important, but what I'm, (laughs) what I, what I think what I'm trying to get to is that this discomfort thing is a absolutely important ingredient, if not a requirement to creativity. And if you don't allow people or and you don't have to encourage them, but if you discourage them from being uncomfortable, you also discourage them from creating anything whether it's a fix to their discomfort or you know something more artistic that's all that's all all right folks (laughs) that was our podcast for the day and uh, i'll wrap that up nicely um i i when you know ben you were talking about like yeah there's some sort of pain involved in going too far (laughs) um and then I just think, well, yeah, that's kind of the gateway to my site most of the time. Is something like, is the discomfort, is trying to put, like. This is the warning. So Denver just passed the, you know, the the psychedelic mushrooms are now decriminalized. And one of the major warnings against it is that somebody could have a bad experience. Are you fucking kidding me? That's the that's the detrimental thing that makes it so I go to prison if I take this, and you're trying to because I might have a bad experience. You're t- they're trying to protect you from having a bad experience, and yet <laughs> I think as we mentioned the other day, like uh, uh, 
there's quite a lot of bad experience, which is sort of reinforced by, you know, waking up in the morning. Um, but, but the idea that like, we're trying to prevent you from having a bad experience, that indicates that somebody has codified good and bad experiences. Yeah. Like what's on, what's in the good column, what's in the bad column. And mm -hmm. bad is over here where you're emotionally overwhelmed. Huh? That's bad. Or over here where you just hum along with, very little up, very little down, mm -hmm. sort of, or, or, you or know, it's, it's a bland experience and therefore yeah. it's good. Or it's, it's bad in the moment. Okay. You can define it as right now it's bad. Yeah. But the event, the outcome isn't, the outcome isn't five minutes from now. Maybe yeah. the outcome is a day from now. Mm -hmm. Maybe the outcomes, you know, four months from now and all this stuff that I suffered a little bit to film comes out. So that's a good experience. Yeah. The outcome mm -hmm. of a bad experience is a good experience. Can be. Can be. For sure. Right. I, and this, <laughs> when I mentioned in the office today, that conversation about inflammation was that same exact thing. And you see it bannered everywhere. Like, oh, this diet, there's less inflammation or don't eat that. It causes inflammation. And my one thing is like, what's wrong with inflammation? Like, really, somebody please explain that to me because it is what we compensate for when we're getting fit. It is it is the reaction to uh, that effort. we want. Yeah, it's, it's adequate effort causes inflammation. And the recovery from. And so, therefore, we need antagonism in order to derive a protagonist. Like, we, it's the story of human nature. We just need something to push against so we can push back. So Otherwise, that we can adapt. Right. Yeah. To it. And I've... <laughs> Yeah, I want to have a you know keep you from having a bad experience. I'm going to fucking facilitate a bad experience for you <laughs> because I know that the outcome, as you said, Ben, is like ultimately will be a better version of you or some mm -hmm. you know bullshit thing. I think I saw that on Instagram. Be a better version of. <laughs> I feel like I don't know. <laughs> I feel like people. I I mean I guess it's psychological. I don't want to be like one of these get off my lawn people, but it's like don't you want to know. Like I have, I had a couple in my life, really, really bad experiences. They were genuinely bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm so happy those things happen because almost since then, every, like I had one really bad experience in the Alaska range. This is the toughest thing I've ever done. I was 23 years old. And for 36 hours, I was like, we could die. And we didn't. That's a, that's a, that's a good amount of time to have that <laughs> over the neck. And, and it was since then I've, you know, I've been in some really hard things. This one other TV show that I've done a lot of the first time I did it was the hardest and not psychologically. It was just physically the hardest. It was the worst conditions. And I was just like, Oh, wow, <laughs> this sucks. Oh, but it's not the suckiest thing I've ever done. Great. And you know, once I sort of realized that and then in my head, I'm always going to, always thinking, eventually this will be over. Eventually this isn't going to suck anymore. And that might be tomorrow. It might not be till next week. But eventually I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to be in this place anymore. And I'm not going to be feeling these things. And I, I've told myself that so many times now that I don't even have to. And that's what I tell, like, usually I'm in a position in these places where I'm bringing the crew. Hmm. And I've, in a lot of times I've had people break down and they just go, I can't do this. 
because sometimes these people that are in the entertainment industry are soft. What? Even if they think they're hard. Weird. And I, that's exactly what I tell <laughs> them is like, look, <laughs> you don't want to quit because, you know, eventually this is all going to be over. And you're going to regret mm-hmm. not seeing it through. And the regret sucks worse than it sucks right now. At least I think so. Oh, yeah. The, the, that feeling of like, I quit too soon. That's worse than like any kind of pain or any kind of misery in the moment. I, I, I think I have a flow chart. Yeah. That, that I'll let Ben <laughs> check out. You got to check the flow chart. It's a, it, is this going it, in the show notes? I think so. Yeah. I think, I think for be. sure. I could take, take a picture of it. Yeah. And then we can. So be. it won't be in the show. Or, or, <laughs> <laughs> is that clear enough? I mean pretty accurate because when i and I'll, we'll explain maybe no we won't we'll just no, you have we'll to look, look it up the look at so <laughs> hold on because i had this idea about show notes is we put them in instagram stories so they disappear oh i was just right. gonna ask so if, if i could put that in my instagram yeah, story that's yes. awesome <laughs> and then people like this show i went to the show the <laughs> Whatever you guys are calling it, and there was nothing there. I'm like, yeah, well, you were late, man. Do we have a re- <laughs> do we yeah, ever, but this comes do out we like reply to that guy? I it, don't think that it did. Which the guy that was looking for the show notes but can't seem to find them. Oh, I forgot about him. Oh, fuck that! I didn't reply, so he didn't get an answer. I feel really bad about that. We're sorry. Um, um sorry about that. What did we have a solution for him? Um, I was just gonna tell him that there are no show notes and that we were joking. I think we actually answered him in the last podcast. Oh. So if he's still listening after not having been able to find the show notes, then he probably heard about it and he realizes, oh, there are no show notes. Fair enough. Well, so uh, th- this is my, because there's a philosophical endeavor, I think, with, with modern philosophy to ease people's suffering. And I want to go completely against that because but, I but think- that's But they're talking about genuine suffering. Not always. And this is where it's hard because what you can make a distinction right now for, oh, well, voluntary suffering is fine. You sign up for a triathlon, you're good. Involuntary suffering is the bad part. Like they, you know, I was involved in a quote unquote atrocity. Uh, like, <coughs> but that's also useful too. In fact, if people only do voluntary suffering, that that is a privilege. And that would be looked down upon. In fact, none of the people that we appreciate to be good humans do not have trials. In fact, if they did, they're not good humans, generally speaking, I think for the most part. I can't imagine. Tests. Tribulations. Tribulations. Crucibles. Something. Crucible is a great word for it. But they are not voluntary. They're all involuntary. Like the, you know, the thing that the hardships you go through with cancer and disease, if you can make it out the other side of it, those are the things that give revelation, like that, that, that make like, oh, holy shit. I was not fighting hard enough before this thing made me realize what this whole thing is all about. That happens. Gave more often me perspective than not. because that, the reason I wasn't fighting hard enough before is because I didn't understand my place in the environment that I'm in. And he just said it. He just said like some, one of the hardest experiences I've ever had, which you are grateful for, and that's how it usually goes. Man, I don't want this. I would not wish this on anybody, but it is one of the best things that's ever happened to me because the outcome eventually was good. I learned, I adapted, I evolved, whatever you want to say from it. Well, it's the, it's the freaking. I mean, just, it's all in fight club, you know, 
Like yeah. How, how much, yeah. How much yeah. do you really know about yourself if you haven't been in a fight? Yeah. If you hadn't had to fight for your life, do you really know what you're capable of? No. And that doesn't not. necessarily mean a fist fight with another yeah. human Correct. being. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> if you get, as you just said, have you ever had to fight for your life? Yeah. Nature. Yes. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> just that one time, though. Um, but it was <laughs> it was pretty instructive that one time. Uh, it lasted about 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it's true. Looking back on the what in the moment you were we perceived as a bad experience mm-hmm. um, became the platform for launching us into, you know, living better lives often. Gave you the strength to, to get through other hard times and also gave you the perspective to just enjoy the simple beauty in life mm-hmm. yeah. and the simple and to really feel it and really enjoy it when, when you can. Yes. Yes. And yeah, to see is... to see the value of of the pain and suffering you might endure later of like you just your your perspective shifts on it of like okay this isn't this isn't something I'm having to suffer through this is actually going to propel me and I find value in it and you could say it it helps you see differently which then allows you to create differently which then informs art or whatever endeavor you have like that that's that's where I think that there's a big misdirection in trying to get everybody to be comfortable and have an easy life. Not that we should falsely, like not that we should make it artificially difficult, although that can lead to some good things. Like we do artificially difficult things in here and sometimes they have profound effects, hopefully outside. Cause if you have a profound thing that happens in this building, besides like a conversation, you've got issues, man. Like a workout cannot be like, you got, sound like, like Dennis Hopper. <laughs> you've got issues, man. No, no, no. My, my issues have issues, man. <laughs> it could be. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like people signing up for hardship and also getting doled it. Like I, like, man, it sucks. Getting, getting what? Doled. Doled out. Oh, having having the suffering doled, doled hand, hand, yeah, handed yeah. to yeah. them, yeah, or or um, yes. One thing you, you you said there, like, okay, if we were all super comfortable, then that would lead to a decline in creativity. Is sort mm-hmm. of what, not exactly what you said, but it's what of I heard. Course, yeah. um, and I, I I just like had a like time traveled um, back to the mid eighties nice. <laughs> for a second. I was having a relationship <laughs> with uh, this lady and. It's pretty, you know, we didn't see each other a lot because we weren't in the same place. But when we did, it was pretty volatile, and um, and I was writing a lot of poetry at the time. Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to read some <laughs> nice. of that. Uh, I'm, uh, oh, there's books of it. It wasn't like a one-off thing. It's, That's it, the it's, next project. It it. <laughs> ben, it may be. I don't. I don't know. Some of it is just like pathetic teen angst yeah, that nice. actually happened in my 30s. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I get and I was living in Chamonix and she sent me this piece of mail and it's 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 a folded up. It's a you know it's a two full page newspaper article. And the title of the article I got to paraphrase because I don't even have I went looking for it. Uh, you know, probably 10 years ago to find it, but it was like the relationship between creativity and personal torment. Mm. And mm. The, the thesis of this whole article was like, if you are not in pain, if you are not uncomfortable, if you are not fucked up in some way, you cannot create. And 
on the end of that, I would like, you cannot create anything, you know, meaningful mm -hmm. because yeah, I can draw a stick figure and, mm -hmm. uh, or whatever. But, um, I, I, I read this thing and it was just like affirmation that I should keep trying and keep, you know, fostering the discomfort that I had in my own head, whether that was expressed, you know, going into physical situations that, that, you know, sort of, um, gave fuel to that discomfort or whether it was, you know, circling the drain in my own head or whatever in order to be able to write because that was what I was into at the time. And I, so I, I have always considered there's a, um, and I even, you know, that, that there's a relationship between that sort of internal discomfort, pain, whatever, and that it's a good thing and my ability to create stuff. And, and some point recently, um, in, in I don't know, the last couple of years, somebody's asking me, Hey, are you right? You know, you writing, you know, you've been writing. And I was like, nah, man, it turns out I'm too happy to write right now. <laughs> and, and at the time, I mean, it was, it, it was true. And so I'm going to have to find other means of mm -hmm. creative practice that don't have pain as their fount, you know, the foundation. It's hard. I mean, if you realize that, what do you do? Like, do I start, you know, cutting myself? No, I'm, I'm like I, partially joking, but do you? Like, you'll what? adapt to that too quickly. Here's what I think. <laughs> I, because I, I, I've thought about this deeply, and and um, I think some of these things, it's about definition. So the pain, the suffering, the the angst that fuels the art. That, that is the sort of dredge that pulls all these words out of you and pulls these thoughts and these feelings and this art out of you. I think, I think what that really is, they're, it's, they're really unanswered questions, right? And I think, I think all art is really about trying to find answers. You know, and you're, that's what I think. And that's for me where it comes from and I've realized with photography, with trying to tell stories, I'm trying to figure something out. And it's all really about what is the question I'm asking? What's the answer I'm looking for? You know, and that's why I think, I think all these guys that think they have it figured out and they have all the answers about life and they're not making art. And the guys that are making the cool art is like they're looking for the questions and the wonder. Hmm. And sometimes that manifests itself in like some, some kind of pain or some kind of angst, something that's broken that they haven't figured out and they haven't found a way to heal it. That's an unanswered question. Yeah. And that's where that pain comes from. I think it's, you know, that, that, uh, you know, somebody who has all the answers, that means they've fulfilled their potential. Yes. Okay. I kind of see that that's a limited individual, obviously, because if you yes. can, if you can fulfill your potential while still alive, um, well, I haven't, not to go down the rabbit hole, but yeah, that's why I'm just like not so religious. Well, I did add. There's one, all the answers. <laughs> I did add something to, to the flowchart. Yeah, based off of what you were just saying. Um, <laughs> great. I, we're yeah. making an. We're we're doing work here, guys. Exactly. Well, after the death is equal to bad outcome, there's a side question of death dot 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 afterlife question mark. 
Uh, good, ex- good outcome. <laughs> so, so I think so, we, we answered all possible. So too like an experience that's too bad leads lateral leads to death. Yes, which is a bad bad outcome. also a bad. It's a bad outcome from a bad experience. Yes, yes. But then if you get to the afterlife, then you've then it becomes a, a good experience. Good experience. Yeah. Okay. So, but if you have a bad experience that doesn't kill you, then you adapt. You adapt, and therefore that thing has become a good experience. Good outcome. Good outcome. I'm a little confused, but I'm just going to take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be totally apparent in our show notes stories. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which will be available for 24 hours. We may like put them up multiple times. I I, actually just wait. Just take all those pictures, put them up the day you launch the podcast. Yeah, Yeah. that's kind of an awesome idea. It really is. Yeah, it's temporary. I'm all about it. Everything on this planet. Totally. Well, except for, you know. I seem like a really happy person until we start talking about the universe. And, and you're always get, smiling, and too. It gets like, <laughs> especially when you start talking about the, the universe. universe. Yeah. <laughs> well, can I, can I, because I've been thinking about this for the last 20 minutes, but can I, can I bring this back to, because to, uh, I think this all relates, and it, it just got me thinking about Dennis Hopper's book. Yeah. And all those, where we started, which is all those awesome photos that are, I feel like, way more impactful and meaningful and awesome and mystical and artistic than anything I've ever done or probably ever freaking will do. They're, they're awesome. And you know, yes, he's like in these cool places and around these cool people, but there's something going on there. And what is it? And you know, you can, I don't know if this is exactly the same thing, but this is just what's going on in my head and I'm totally sober, but you know, you can, you can insulate your life. And you can be comfortable and you can, you can not endure anything that's, that's really going to shock you or make you sweat or make you bleed. And you can have all the answers and you can, you can look at the ads and you can, you know, see all these pictures and you can go buy the most expensive camera and all the equipment. And what is that? That's all the answers, right? That's, that's, that's what everybody's telling you or that's what these companies are telling you. You need all this stuff. And once you have all those answers, there's no reason to ask any questions. A hundred percent. And then is, 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 is that what's going to help you create something mystical and magical and meaningful and emotional? I, that's, I guess that's why, you know, it's why I'm going down the path that I, we've been talking about of, and for a long time, actually, it's less is more. It's not about, it's not about the tool. It's about the artist. And I, I believe this in filmmaking. I believe it in photography. I believe it in, in storytelling and life in general is just less is more strip it away you're going to do more with less and that's why dennis hopper's taking those disposable cameras and going on a trip somewhere and plugging in and it's amazing to, to the environment that he's in to and the observing the environment in. and observing himself and his relationship to that environment and and, and he's not going the in there he's with he's not going in and going oh man i wish i had this lens oh man if i only had this megapixel camera oh if i only had this mm-hmm. film stock he's just going this is what we got and wow this is cool man yeah I get, and 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 just letting it happen yep there's something completely i mean i guess you could say historically or uh anciently zen about being okay with all the things that you already have and that's something that's not really taught it's always to want stuff that you don't have which is the antithesis of what you just described a good experience if i 
am okay with everything that I have, no matter how bad it is. And this, um, somebody wrote Mark the other day about doing a 150 mile. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. The waffle ride. Yeah. On a, on an old Nishiki. A, a 1979 Nishiki. So probably steel had down tube shifters on it. So it's like this 145 mile or whatever it is. It's a big ass one day race and 50 miles of it or so are on dirt or gravel. And, uh, and this guy had sent me an email and said, you know, I'm going to do this thing. And so I think I maybe gave him some, you know, we had a little bit of a conversation by email and then he sent me, you know, direct message on Instagram saying to say that, you know, Hey, I told you I was going to do this thing. And, um, I just wanted to let you know that I did. And, uh, this guy, so we've set up, set it up now, <laughs> old fucking bike, long ass day. This guy is six, five, 300 pounds. Fuck. <laughs> That's what I said. I'm not like, even a bike dude, the, but this sounds no. mean. The, and, yeah. and it has, then oh. the, and the, the, over the distance, it's like 12,000 feet of climbing or some crazy thing. Have, have and, you ever seen any of those medieval? Like, I had a chance to go to the torture museum in the Amsterdam. The war horses? We talking about no, war no, no, horses no, no. again? The, the torture oh. museum. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, medieval sketches. Yes, I've right? seen that like, shit. In, I don't, 90. I, Without being an expert in this field, I'd say 97% of them have something to do with shoving something up your rectum <laughs> or putting weight on top of you and pressing you down on your rectum. I could not help but think of a torture device if I was 300 pounds and riding a bike for 150 miles. That yeah. is absurdly difficult. I mean, you put 25 pounds on you and go ride a bike and I can only imagine the discomfort. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm, and the, I'm 220. I'm not doing that shit. I'll tell you right no. now, I'm not tough enough to do that. Exactly. And the, <laughs> Hello. And, 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 and the, the the amount of time that he was on the bike, mm. you know, I don't know how long, sure. but it's a, it's a full day for sure. Yeah. Potentially more, you know, more than a full work day. <laughs> you know, um, and, and I mean, I just maybe an Alibaba work day because apparently they work eighteen hours a day or whatever. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that dude's comfortable with some discomfort. Oh yeah, and then and he said, "I'm so glad I did it. You know, it was super cool to be out there and to go that far and everything. But thank God I finished because now I can be done with this nonsense." And so I wrote him back, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's a big ass. That's a big day out, a really long day, and probably long enough to convince you that you know you're done with doing that kind of nonsense." dot 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 for a while immediately replies and goes yeah turns out it only took a couple of days and i'm gonna and i've been starting to think about how i can you know do it better next year and i'm gonna start with getting a bike that doesn't have shifters on the down tube and i haven't replied yet that um, maybe some table pushaways would be good training as well yeah that holy shit what a but okay because i've because I, I read about that rate that yeah. race and i'm just like Man, even at half the weight, yeah, it would Ouch. be. It's a big day out. That's my, tough, my excuse tough, hard day. is like I, I don't want to give the perception that we're some tough guys that just oh we always love suffering. No, I face this problem all the time. I try to bitch out of everything that I do, even if I'm good at it. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Like, hey, should we try and sell your uh, entry to? The, yeah, the, I'm trying the, the right crusher. now to get out of Crusher. <laughs> I, like Aaron's thing that she's qualifying for um, is going to be in France. And I was like, awesome. I want to come support you. And she's like, why are you so positive about this? Because it's the same fucking weekend as Crusher and I don't want to do it. <laughs> so it has yeah. nothing to do with supporting my wife. It really just has to do with like trying to get away from pain to, myself. To avoid to pain, yeah. Dude, I, full disclaimer, mm -hmm. I completely bitch out of things all the yeah, time. I'm sure. like, nah, you know, I'm good. I don't need to do that. I'm I, I'm selective with my suffering. 
Yeah, you you have to yeah. be because I yes. can only take so much of it yes. before, you know, whatever. But I do know, like if I just understand the importance when it is rained upon me with suffering and involuntary delights. Yes. <laughs> I can stop and say, you know what? I have everything that I need. I'm going to do what I have to do in order to get through this and I will benefit 100% from the process. Now, it's rare that I can trick myself, but when I do, I have to appreciate it. So I think it's one of those things that goes, I should go without saying, is like we do actually promote actively that somebody should suffer. If you don't know how to suffer, you don't know how to be a good human being generally. Agreed. I guess I could just end it there. And then nothing else matters. You suffer in the gym, who gives a shit? You go outside, I don't care. Doesn't matter. A three hundred pound guy on a bike. Doesn't matter. We can have a conversation because we all know how to get everything stripped down to nothing, and just deal with what we have. Yeah. Or even as we saw at the you know the first symposium we did last year of of oh yeah you're in less than ten minutes mm. of running up the ski slope. Yeah. Um. You you can get a bunch of people all to a, a place where they shared something that 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 becomes shorthand you know in terms of communication that 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 just erases a ton of bullshit where you know you just are you're totally willing to expose yourself because you know the other person um is also willing and has done so and did did it maybe this is why i just thought about this because one of the reasons we did that as opposed to doing a hard workout together in the gym um First of all, like I didn't want people to think, hey, I'm going to this thing and then we'll beat them down into some pulp and now we're just aggressive bullies in a fitness space. For sure. But there's also something inherently um, in pe most people's brains when they see like somebody who's skilled lift a weight and it doesn't look that heavy. Yeah. They immediately draw a difference. Oh, I'm a different kind of species. Like I see females do it with Aaron all the time. Guys do it too. Like she'll out squat them or out do something from them. And they go, oh, she's weird. That's, we're not even the same thing. She doesn't experience pain. Like she's not they feeling the same thing. disregard her skill and yeah. all the hours she put in to actually be able to do that. To think that, yeah, like yeah. she is not having the same experience. Yeah. There's something about a hill and just going up it with nothing that allows you the freedom to, or empathy, I guess you should say, to empathize with the person next to you no matter what they're feeling. You're like, we're feeling the same thing. You might just be going a little bit faster than me. A lot faster than me. That fucking <laughs> one girl, holy shit. <laughs> 530 something up that hill. Impressive. But that, that I didn't realize it was a lever. It was a total accident. It was a, like something fun to do to get us out outside of the gym. And it ended up being this like, yeah, you're right. In less than 10 minutes, we all have the same experience. And now because we have a similar experience, now we're back. Now we're stripped down to that place where you can actually have an honest conversation. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, not to be a dick, but like 99% <laughs> of, well, everybody in our country is like compared to anybody a hundred years ago or in like half the rest of the world doesn't even, and including us in this room, really understand what true suffering is. No. Like growing exactly. up in fucking Rwanda or something sure. like that's suffering. Yeah. That's like in, in a hopeless, mm -hmm. miserable starvation type environment. I mean- We've, dude, life is so freaking good, mm -hmm. even for the people that it really sucks for. Which I think is potentially what's going to make life so bad is because it's too good. Like it is, we are fundamentally in the best time to be alive. Yes. Anybody that wants to argue that, eh, 
you have a hard time convincing no, it's, me. It's, like, it's never been this good in human history, ever. Never. We Hashtag microbes. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. I think they discovered that and some things changed, right? I think fundamentally, <laughs> even if you went back, like pick any time and pick, I don't know, whatever king or prince or warlord or whatever, and you could change places with that person so you have access to anything at the time. Sorry. We eat better. We have less health problems. We have yes. less risk. We have less hardship. We're more comfortable. Everything's easier. And and yet people still find this. I don't know. I, I think that's what's going to make us eventually soft is because the hardship is what tempers us, which gets us to like change and experience things in a more human way. Um, that that book that Steven Pinker wrote, uh, better, better Angels of Our Nature, which I think is a fundamental read for anybody that wants to make First of all, it's a bitch about stuff. Um, it, <laughs> just read that book and understand that eh, you're kind of an asshole for complaining. But also in the in the act of, I really agree with you on what you said about suffering, because we we do we do a sport that we buy a ten thousand dollar bike for, and that yeah we sweat a little bit and it hurts our legs, and we call that suffering, and that's not the right word. We yes. like the, <laughs> no, we call it ugly and brutal and <laughs> yeah brutal savage, savage. Yeah. yeah oh no you did you forgot the pound sign in front of that <laughs> I, i'm just not a fitness guy like you guys yeah. i don't know all the lingo sorry yeah. guys i'm trying <laughs> you're close savage <laughs> savage you got the we root did, word it's by just the way. a punctuation um, <laughs> maybe, this would be a good time because i think i still have it saved somebody um, apparently the uk has a similar thing to um fitcon called body power of course it is called that. <laughs> and we had a dear listener. I won't, maybe they want to remain anonymous. They offered full fledged to buy a booth for us and call it the fitness is fucked booth. And we could go there and explain our philosophy to everybody at the body power expo, which I thought was a fucking great idea. Can I, can I film it? Yes. Can I come and just yeah. film that for my, three days? My addition to this was like, I'm going to wear a gym shark onesie, you know, the one that highlights the butt for girls, okay. but it's like, you know, I'll have like a belly cut out and the back cut out. So show my tits. Yeah. Um, I was going to wear that and sit in our booth and explain why fitness is fucked. I'm going to eat donuts for a month before I go on film it. <laughs> I'm going to wear the tightest fucking clothes I can find. I just sell CBD oil. People would be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm trying to think how I can top the onesie. Um, can, so, I went straight to, okay, what are we going to... Just full BDUs. No, what are we going to hand out? Like, because people, the, the only way to get them to the booth... booth oh, free shit. Is free shit, right? So what I'm thinking is everybody oh. gets a little pre-workout yeah, that lasts about 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe causes some sensations of um, discomfort. Panic and discomfort. <laughs> oh, does this so, come in a Pez dispenser? It may indeed. It's uh um yeah, you come by the booth and uh and and every you know about 20 to 40 minutes after you leave, mm. the conference is, you know, the, the fitness convention is going to get really good. Yeah. It's called fucking, acid pre-workout. Just fucking dose. Burn your everyone. face off. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> fucking fitness convention. Just, oh, God, I guess uh can you imagine uh, anyway, I, I, just the sheer panic in like one of those booth girls that's painted orange when she realizes 
That she's that, orange? That she's orange. <laughs> <laughs> that it's not a great shade of orange? <laughs> what the fuck was I thinking? My face is a different color from my body. Yeah. <laughs> I look like a head levitating on a neck. <laughs> That's because you didn't match your... Uh, foundation. Your foundation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a different skin problem. Tone. <laughs> Sorry to take that, but... Uh, I, okay, so... It, well, this I, is... Go ahead. That's a, that's a real offer? Yeah, that was a real offer. But it's happening next weekend. So it's oh, really so we missed it. Yeah. it usually, because I, I was under the impression that it was in the fall. So if it was in the fall, I was completely down. Yeah, and that would give Ben time to eat all those donuts. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I can eat a lot of donuts before fall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that would be pretty good. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I have a new... That's we kind have, of amazing. You we have, have new art to work on. Let's just say. Yeah. And it'll be performance art and performance other people will yeah. be doing it in front of us. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I wanted to make the guy version of these Gymshark pants that like artificially highlight anatomy of a female body. And I wanted to artificially highlight parts of the male anatomy that I thought would be pretty cool for working out. Like highlight that goes kind of down one leg on one side. <laughs> You used the term helicopter the other day, and I, I could not get it out of my head after that. I'm just like, well, that's a... Oh, shit. Okay. That's because we, I we still to... think like a five-year-old. Uh, like, yeah. I just like... <laughs> I just, yeah, that's where my brain goes. Sorry, Ben. Sorry no, for No, the... it's fine. I'm just sitting here thinking, this is a... This is a strange podcast you've invited me into. Yeah. It, it started out all right. It gets weird, yeah. and then it gets weirder. But, and, and I, you know, <laughs> honestly, we've, it's, it's been almost nine. It's like hour and 28 right now. Ooh. Okay. So 88 minutes. I think we need to go get weird. Yeah. I agree with as that. As opposed to talking weird. Yeah. Oh, feels like time. It does feel like time. Yeah. What's, what's the actual time? Is it five? Five thirty-five. Yeah. Oh, we got uh, some good light in about two hours. Yeah. yeah. Golden hour. Yeah. And the clouds look good. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's go shoot some pictures. Take our cameras for yeah, the good, proverbial good. walk. <laughs> Let's go be I, not as good as Dennis Hopper. Exactly. I was going to say, maybe I could stop by the 7-Eleven and see if they have one of the disposable, disposable film cameras. They, they don't sell them anymore, do they? Yeah, you can still get them. Yeah, for sure. I've got one in my glove box. Really? Yeah. I should bring it. <laughs> no shit. Let's just, it's it, there. Like, it, it's it, been in there all right. since I bought the truck 14 years ago, so I think it's a little expired. It was. I think it was in there in case it was an accident or something. I think oh. it's still in there. I should... Okay. Well, let's just be, go buy if, free at Target right now, and then we'll take those with us. Okay. And Either way, what. we're gonna. I, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. Enough. And Signing so um, we'll post the results in like a year and a half after we get the film developed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the, in whatever, the show notes, whatever the show notes will be at that time, because maybe that'll know. be the next you know issue of Rays or a couple later. It'll just be the disposable camera version. From tonight. For fuck's sake. We're already yeah. making it so hard. We're suffering, Ben. We're, We're suffering. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, <laughs> my stupid ideas. Sorry. <laughs> That's a really good idea. Yeah. It's a really good idea. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. Um, Let's go do something. So good to have you in here again. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And, uh, and it'll happen again, so it, I'm not it, worried about it. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe it might happen in eight hours. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs>